once again want to uh, want to mention that we would would love for you to uh, to come and check out the Alpha course, and it starts Thursday. A free home cooked meal, music, uh, a talk, and then some time for discussion where you can really just ask anything, say anything, bring anything to the table that you want to bring, um, and and really have an opportunity to kind of wrestle and interact and explore um, this idea that there is a God uh, who created us and loves us and he sent his son to die and we just kind of go through all that together um, from the very beginning. So we'd love for you to come, but here's the even bigger challenge than we'd love for you to come because we would love for you to come. But here's what we'd love for you also to do. Um, One of the beauties of Alpha is it's very, very much designed for people who would not be here this morning. Um, It's very much designed for folks who are going, yeah, I'm not really sure about this God thing, or uh, actually I am very sure about this God thing, and I'm pretty sure one doesn't exist. Uh, Or I'm not interested in church. I don't care about church. I don't want to go to church. Alpha's designed for folks to come, and we say, hey, you can belong before you believe. You can bring your views, your questions, your ideas. You can bring those here. We're not going to shoot you down and tell you that you're wrong and stupid and kick you out the door. Instead, we're going to listen to you, and we're actually going to just trust that, hey, God's big enough to do what it is that he wants to do and needs to do in each person's life, and we're going to trust him to do it, and we're not going to try to do that job for him. And so that's, uh, that's kind of the, uh, the job of Alpha, the role of Alpha. So I know that, I'll put it this way, if you don't know anyone who fits into that category, then my challenge is for you to go out this week and meet some of them. Because, uh, because you, 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 uh, you know too many Christians and you need to meet some people who aren't Christians, okay? So that's the challenge for you uh, this coming week if you don't. Um, but most of you, many of you, know somebody that when I said that, that person or those people popped into your head and you said, man, I wish I could get them to come with me on Thursday night. Just invite them. Here's, here's the idea. Here's the strategy. The strategy is not to go, hey, um, so I know, you know, I know we've, we've kind of had some conversations about God and I kind of know where you stand with that and that's totally cool. I'm not trying to, to barge in. Um, but we've got this 10-week course at our church that we'd really like for you to come to. And they're going, uh, excuse, 10-week course? No, thank you, okay? All you do is say, hey, we're having, uh, we're having this thing called Alpha at our church, Thursday night, dinner, music, kind of a talk. I'd just like for you to come check it out. It's kind of a way for you to explore Christianity, and maybe you already kind of have it figured out, but maybe there's a little bit more exploration you you might be willing to do, and hey, if you don't like it, you ain't got to come back. Matter of fact, if you don't like it, you can leave in the middle. I heard George say that to somebody, uh, was telling me about somebody that that had said something to him about church, and he said, well, just come check it out. You know, it's, it's a little bit different than maybe what you're used to. And if you don't like it, then, you know, you don't have to come back. Matter of fact, if you don't like it, you can just get up and leave. Nobody's going to, you know, nobody's going to be mad at you or anything. Just, just come check it out. Um, so that's the strategy. We want to empower you with that kind of knowledge to invite your friends and bring them uh, along with you to the Alpha Course. Uh, we um, have had several people ask and, and uh Somebody actually said, hey, can, can you just kind of mention up here about, about Friday night? Um, this past Friday night, uh, our, our band, part of our worship team, not our whole worship team, but, but the band, the renovation band, as we call it, um, 
had the opportunity Friday night to open up uh, for Stephen Curtis Chapman in Moorhead City, and, uh, and it was great. It was wonderful. We had a great time, and uh, we were uh, part of, uh, we were two, the opening band, and there was another band uh, from Jacksonville, and then Stephen Curtis Chapman came out and played, and it was a really good time. Had a blast. Um, wanted to mention that we have, uh, we had s- someone who was willing to pay to have some shirts made for us in exchange for, um, for, for us kind of allowing them to be part of the, of the event and whatnot. So we, we had some t-shirts and we've got a handful over here left and anybody that wants one, just come up after service and grab it. We're not selling them or anything anymore. Just come up and get one if you want a shirt. And we've also got some of our singles uh, that are left. I gave a few of those out a couple weeks ago and a few of you have asked if we had any more. So there's a few of those. None of it's for sale. Just come up and grab one um, if you'd like one. We are going to continue now into our series called Get Some Rest. Get Some Rest. And uh, we know that when we say that, a lot of folks are going, you know, that sounds great. I wouldn't mind a nap, actually. That, that sounds wonderful. Um, matter of fact, why didn't you just make the services later today so that we could have slept in more and gotten some rest. Maybe that's the practical application of this particular series, right? That's what you're kind of thinking. Well, as with most things here at Renovation, we've sort of renovated uh, the phrase of getting some rest because let's be honest, Jesus did that a lot. He would take a phrase that you think you understand and then turn it on its head and go, actually, this is what it means. (laughs) You're going, oh, great. So when we talk about rest, uh, you know, we're maybe going at it from a little bit different angle than what we're thinking of, of just kind of being laid out on the couch, you know, just just completely zapped and burned out and and exhausted, which happens to all of us at some point. What I want you to do as we kind of start out, though, is I've got a series of pictures that I want to show you. And here's what I want to ask you. As you're looking through these pictures, when I say this phrase, when I say the phrase, spending an hour getting to know Jesus better. When I say that phrase, I'm curious if the feeling that you feel when you hear that phrase is represented by any of these pictures, okay? Take, take a look. <clears throat> so I don't know if any of those translate for you or not, but if I were to say, hey, I want all of us right now to go home right now. We're going to leave right now. And we're going to go straight home and you're going to spend an hour getting to know Jesus better. You're going to spend an hour reading his word, talking to him, listening to him, spending time with him. You're going to spend an hour doing that. Now we would probably have every one of those pictures probably represented across this room. All right. There's some of you that would go, yes, I've been looking for an hour to do that. All right. I got one now. Some of you are going, Oh, it would be like sitting out on the beach and just peace, right? Just be able to do that right now. Some of you are thinking, um, you know, that would be so boring. Oh my gosh, are you kidding me? Like I got to read something? Can somebody just read it to me? You know, like this is so boring. Then some of you are pulling out your hair because you're going, I, don't, I can't even stop for an hour to do anything. What are you talking about? Are you crazy? And then some of you are going, I wouldn't even know where to begin. It would be like you, you know, giving me a math problem 
and saying, hey, I want you to figure out this, uh, this equation, and I have no clue where to begin. Well, what I want us to do today is we're going to look at a text um, where, where Jesus uh, talks a little bit about the idea of Sabbath, which translates to the idea of rest. And then we're going to kind of return to this idea here. And, you know, it's interesting. It, it always seems to happen to me this way. Um, or maybe it's just because every, I'm not really good at anything in the Bible. So anytime I have to say something from the Bible, I go, oh, I'm not really very good at that. Um, but I, I look at this and I go, you know, wow, this is something that I'm still figuring out. You know, this is something that I am still very much um, trying to, to figure out the rhythm in my life of drawing that rest from Christ, of being able to be filled up so full of him that I just can't wait to get back to that next hour I can just be alone with him. I'm not there yet, but I want to get to that point in my life where I go, man, I just, I know I got these other things to do, but I can't wait to get right back there with him in that moment so I can draw from, from that relationship. So we're going to take a look at Matthew uh, chapter 12, just the first eight verses. And uh, George finished up last week on uh, one of my favorite verses. I think it was actually the first verse that I ever memorized way, way back in, uh, in high school. Um, Matthew eleven twenty eight. come to me all who are weary and burdened and I will give you rest. And uh, that, was, that was always one of my favorite verses. And so he, he finished us up there. And we're going to continue into to chapter 12. At that time, Jesus went through the grain fields on the Sabbath. His disciples were hungry and began to pick some heads of grain and eat them. When the Pharisees saw this, they said to him, Look, your disciples are doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath. And he answered, Haven't you read what David did when he and his companions were hungry? He entered the house of God, and he and his companions ate the consecrated bread, which was not lawful for them to do, but only for the priests. Or haven't you read in the law that on the Sabbath, the priests in the temple desecrate the day and yet are innocent? I tell you that one greater than the temple is here. If you had known what, what these words mean, I desire mercy, not sacrifice, you would not have condemned the innocent. For the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. Now, there's a lot there, okay? As Karen Wilson would say, you know, we could spend six months just talking about those eight verses, all right? And we could. I mean, there's a lot, there's a lot to unpack, a lot of thematic elements, a lot of Old Testament that you could go in and just dig around, um, a lot of really good nuggets and gems down there. But I want us to zero in, um, in right into that last phrase, but before we do that, I do want to just kind of go through and, and point out a couple of things that I think Jesus is letting us know when it, when it comes to Sabbath and when it comes to rest. The first thing is that it's, it's very clear that the, the Sabbath restriction, and let me just explain what that would be. The Sabbath is representative of the seventh day of creation. We know that God spent six days in Genesis. It, it spells this out for us in, in the first couple chapters of Genesis. It talks about creation, right? And those first six days, he created everything, okay? 
on the seventh day, it says that God rested. Now, does that mean that God needed to rest, that he was tired? You know, that he was going, man, that was, that wore me out, man. I just created everything. I need a nap, right? No, that's not what, what it meant. What it was, was God was modeling for us what rest and Sabbath was going to look like. Did God need to rest? No. But he was modeling for us, hey, you do the work and then you rest. And it gives you a chance to stop and go, look what's been accomplished. Let's rest. Now for him, he's not going, let's rest in what God did. He was resting and going, and, and, and he's the, he is the one person, I hesitate to use the word person, but I'm not really sure what else to say. One person who could work for six days, stop on the seventh and go, look what I did. Right? And that's where we go, well, man, is he an egomaniac? Yes. He is. And he has every right to be. Right? Now, the rest of us, we stop on that seventh day and go, look what God's been up to. That's, that's the model that he gives for us to use. Now, Another thing, sorry, Stephen, another thing that, uh, that he's saying to us as you, as you look is because they, they question him about the disciples uh, eating some food. Uh, they said they picked some heads of grain and ate them because they, they were hungry. And they question him, oh, 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 well, that's unlawful. You can't do that, right? You can't, because you can't work. You can't do anything on that seventh day. You know, you're supposed to just rest. And the way I look at it is really in the next couple of verses there, Jesus kind of hits them with some common sense, right? As, as we would call some sanctified common sense, right? Some common sense that's get, that God's gotten a hold of and he's showing us, hey, let's just think here for a second. And he's saying, hey, da look at David. David was out with his guys and they had been fighting and they had been, you know, just exhausted. And so they went into the, holy, the, the temple and, and they got some food. And ate of food that you're not supposed to eat. And then he talks about the priests who essentially, let's be honest, is kind of like pastors today on, on Sunday, which in our culture we, we call the Sabbath, but really the Sabbath is, is Saturday. But in our culture, we kind of have looked at Sunday as, as that, that seventh day. It's kind of like pastors. Pastors, priests, they're working on the seventh day, Right? I mean, they're doing things. There's things that they've got to do in order for that day of worship to happen in, in the way that, that God has, has commanded. But yet they're not breaking the Sabbath. So the idea here is, is that Jesus is saying, let's get to the heart of what I'm talking about, not just the regulation of what I'm talking about. Because when we're talking about the Sabbath, we're talking about drawing from the power of God to receive rest. We're talking about etching out a time that is different from all the other times. It's different because it's energized and fueled by God and we're drawing from Him to receive that Sabbath, that rest, right? And he said, but He's saying, hey, the Sabbath restriction does not prohibit necessities being taken care of. If somebody's hungry, we're going to let them have something to eat. Okay? Let's use some common sense. 
There are things that need to be done on the Sabbath. And you've got to understand, and this is where we can go way into deeper stuff, but they had gotten so far out of balance with this. And one of the things I read in a commentary was that really it wasn't even prohibited in the, in the really, if you look at the law, it wasn't prohibited that you could take grain and eat it. That, that wasn't prohibited. As a matter of fact, it spells out in the Old Testament that, hey, if, if you need on the Sabbath, if you're hungry and you need to grab something to eat from the field, then, then you're allowed to do that. The idea was that you not work and toil for, for benefit, for pay, to be able to, to make income or be able to make profit. That was the idea. But they had gotten way out of balance. The Pharisees, the religious leaders of that time, had gotten way out of balance and were putting all these burdens. And for more information on that, you could actually go to our website and look at our series called Fig No More because we did a whole series that was kind of based on that idea. So we end up here with Jesus saying, I tell you that one greater than the temple is here. Now, now that's, that's a statement that he's making that is a statement of deity. Okay? Now, now, what does deity mean? Well, the statement of deity means he's making a statement of saying, I am God. Deity is, is a word for godness, right? So he's saying, there's one here who's greater than the temple. <gasps> what? I mean, I don't know, you know, you think about this context here. I don't know how they didn't just grab him and hang him on a tree right then. You know, like you have got to be kidding. I can't believe this guy had just said this, right? But he's saying there is one who's greater than, he's going to supersede this whole process. And you've got to understand, we're talking of years and decades and centuries of this burdensome process of sacrificing and Sabbath regulation and all of these things that they had to do just to get right with God. I'm not even talking about having a relationship. I'm talking about just getting right with God, just being in a right standing with God. And so Jesus is saying, hey, guess what? There's someone here who is superseding this whole process. There's someone here, not, not who is here to condemn it, but who is here that is greater than the temple, that is greater than this process, that is greater than the burden of killing the animal and shedding the blood and over and over and over and toil and work and sweat and burden. And he's saying, I am here because I am going to complete the process that you've been living out for centuries. That's what's packed in that one little sentence. And then he said, if you had known what these words meant, I desire mercy, not sacrifice, you would have not condemned the innocent. He's basically saying, if you had common sense and understood that mercy and taking the care of the needs of people and loving people was more important than just, oh, I'm sacrificing and I'm, I'm going to not do this and not do that and not do that and not do this. If you understood that relationship and mercy and forgiveness and grace was more important, you, you, this wouldn't have even been an issue. But you obviously don't understand that. That's basically what he's saying. For the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. Now, 
essentially, you could take that phrase, Lord of the Sabbath, and you could also say, hey, that's another, that's another statement he's making of his deity, right? He's saying, hey, someone's here who's greater than the temple. Then he's saying, hey, I am, I'm greater than the temple, and I'm also Lord of the Sabbath, meaning I am the point of the Sabbath. Like I'm the goal of the Sabbath. I'm the purpose of the Sabbath. I'm, I'm the vision behind the Sabbath. I'm the reason we've got a Sabbath because when we Sabbath, when we rest, we're drawing closer to the Lord of the Sabbath, right? Jesus himself. Now we could spend the rest of our time here talking about Sabbath and how that fits in our context. And, and I think there'll be an opportunity probably even in this series to maybe do that. Um, and, and I would, would love to, um, to, to have some one-on-ones with some of you that would, would say, hey, just what, what, is, what is the deal with Sabbath and how, how does that work and how, what does our church believe about Sabbath and, and all that? Um, I, I can sum up very quickly uh, in this statement, and it's, it's going to lead into our big idea in just a second. Jesus equals Sabbath in a New Testament context. In the New Testament context, Jesus is saying, I have come to be the rest and the sustenance. I am the bread of life, right? He, he says, I am the bread of life. I am the substance of Sabbath rest. That, that was new. That was a new idea when Jesus came on the scene. And so here's our big idea, really. The big idea is Jesus equals rest. Jesus equals rest. Therefore, we must accept saving rest, allow for daily rest, and anticipate future forever rest. Now, let me, let me explain that a little bit. We're going to unpack each one of those. If Jesus is rest, if, if that's what we're saying, our rest is found in Jesus, then we must accept saving rest. That means, hey, we must say, I believe you can save me. I believe that you are the one who can rescue me and forgive me and save me and give me purpose and direction. That's a one time I'm putting my life in your hands, boom. Then we must allow for daily rest. That means, hey, we did that one time, but guess what? We've got to etch out that daily rest. We've got to continue drawing from him, the one who saved us, right? And then finally, we can anticipate future forever rest because guess what? There's gonna be a day and I can get, I can actually just get chills thinking about this day. There's gonna be a day when we're gonna enter into future forever rest. And there's not gonna be a need for, oh man, I gotta etch out an hour to spend with Jesus. Have you really thought about that? 
Like you think about the idea that when we get to, to heaven and we are in his presence for eternity, forever, there's not like a, oh man, I got to, can I, am I going to get up early enough this morning? Or, you know, I know I got to do this, this, and this, and, and I'll do this and this, and then, then I'll spend time with Jesus. Then I, you know, like it's this constant sort of, this sort of constant rhythm that we're trying to find to etch out that time, right? To spend with him because we're so busy. We're too busy. We got so much going on and we want to etch out that time. In the future forever rest, guess what? We don't have to etch out that time. Number one, time is over, right? Which is kind of, blows your mind a little when you stop and think about it. I'm not sure I'm comfortable with that, but that's okay. The beginning and the end is comfortable for me. But in, there won't be time. And also, we are in his presence all the time. It's, it's going to be phenomenal. So let, let's unpack all three of those. Let's start with accept saving rest. Now you have, heard, those of you that have been around, you've heard us say this and, and you, you know, um, matter of fact, I'll, I'll test you. If, if, you're, if you're new, please don't. This is not, I'm not putting you on the spot. But if you've been around for a little while, I want you to fill in the blanks. Don't, don't put it up there yet. It's not up there. Okay. When we talk here at Renovation about someone coming to Christ, what are the three things we tell them to do? Say, let's try that again. One, two, three. Very good. 22.3% of you know that. All right. Sorry, thank you, and please. That, that's, that's essentially how you begin that relationship. You, you accept that saving rest by saying, hey, I'm sorry, God, that I haven't lived up to your standard. I, I've broken the, the, the moral law. I've broken, you know, I've broken this from the very beginning of my existence. I'm a sinner. I'm a wrongdoer. I've done junk. I've got junk in my life. I'm sorry. Thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for dying on the cross. I, I believe that you died on the cross to pay for the junk in my life. I believe you did that. And now please fill me with your Holy Spirit so that I can live for you. That's how you, it's one method. There's lots of ways, but the point is all the same, that you begin that relationship with Christ. 2 Corinthians uh, 4, 6. I lost my Bible. That's not good. All right. 2 Corinthians 4, 6 says this along those lines of, um, of being changed and being set free. It says, For God who said, Let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. It's basically saying, hey, and I, and I, I shared this Friday night because this is actually the verse that one of our songs is written from. Um, but I shared this Friday night. We've got a little girl, most of you know, a four-year-old named Emma. And she's walking, through, uh, she's walking through the living room the other day. And I just catch something as I'm, as I'm walking and listening. And she, I, I hear what I think, at least. What I think I hear is, Jesus is stronger than the black hole, yo. Jesus is stronger than the black hole, yo. I'm going, what? I said, Emma, what, what did you say? And she said, Dad, Jesus is stronger than the black hole, yo. And I'm like, that's true. That, that is very true. Absolutely. 
I have no idea where she got that from. No clue. But she knows about the black hole and she knows Jesus is stronger than that. So that's good. Um, but, but I thought about that and I thought, you know, our hearts are black holes, right? But before we know Christ, I mean, it says that, that our lives and our hearts are dark and that he shines his light into darkness. And when we encounter Jesus, he begins to change us. And so we have to accept that saving rest, right? It, it starts there. There's no rest unless you start the relationship from that point. Secondly, allow for daily rest. And here's, uh, here is something that, that in my journey, um, I look at these, these two areas and I admit I feel like I am uh, pretty, pretty strong in one and a little bit weaker in the other. But the two foundations of allowing for daily rest are prayer and Bible study. I mean, I, you know, as I've shared many times, I have tried and thought, tried to think of ways around disciplining myself to just do that. You know, and you go, well, you know, I, could, I, can, just, I can just pray in the car or I can just sing some songs in the car. I mean, I'll just talk to God while I'm taking a shower. All that's fine and do those things. But one thing I'm learning and have learned and I'm relearning and will relearn again is etching out that time as a, as, as a guy who's mentoring me right now says, making that appointment with God, right? Making that appointment and keeping that appointment. You can't get around that. That, that you can, I mean, all the other things are great, and there's, it's great to sing worship songs in your car. And it's great to, you know, talk to God when you're in the shower or when you're brushing your teeth. Or, I mean, of course, of course. But etching out that time, making that appointment with God and saying, I'm going to stick to this. I'm going to do this. You can't get around it. I mean, it's just, there's just no way around it. And uh, I'm, I've been uh, doing a little reading of, of a guy named Henry Nowen, who writes a lot about these sorts of things. And, and I'm going to paraphrase because I don't remember the exact quote. But basically, his point was, hey, if you spend an hour with Jesus every day for the next 10 years, and you, and you, you kind of think, well, I, I don't know. I mean, I do it, but I don't really feel anything. Or I do it, and I don't really get much out of it. Or I, I do it, but... If you did it, even though you go, I don't really know that I get much out of it, and you realize you spent 10 years taking an hour a day spending it with Jesus, even if that was the only thing that came out of it was you spent time with Jesus, wouldn't that be enough? Wouldn't that be worth the investment? And one thing that I, that I think I'm learning now is you go, it can get kind of mundane. It can get kind of... I'm doing, you know, and, and I'm, you know, I have these, mo I don't know if you're like me. I have these moments in prayer and Bible study where it's like fireworks are going off, right? And it's just like, it's like the words are just jumping off the page at you, right? And you can pray and it's just like the Holy Spirit is just, oh man, it's just that you're in a rhythm. And then you have those times where you're going, oh my gosh, God, please forgive me, but I, I just don't, I don't feel this. I'm just not feeling anything right now. But the bottom line is, if we will commit to do it in 10 years, I, I want to I challenge you with this. If you'll commit to do it, and I know 10 years is a long time, but just take it a day at a time. If you commit, I want you to think back in a year's time. 
I want you to think back to what you will be able to articulate about Jesus, about God's word, about what he has spoken to you and said to you in those hours that you've invested. Think about what you'll be able to say in a year's time when somebody says to you, what's God teaching you? And you'll be able to go, boom, he's teaching me this. Here's the challenge. How many of you, if I said, what is God teaching you right now? How many of you, I'm just being real, guys, because I've been there. How many of you would go, um, um, uh, um, he loves me? Well, that's great. And you need to know that he loves you. But let's be honest, there comes a point where it's time to move past that. Not, not, I don't mean get over it, but I mean move past it. Where it's, hey, I know he loves me. Now I want to start doing the hard work of going, how can I be like him? He loves me. How can I be like him? So just think about that investment. I just want to challenge you with that investment. Every day, one hour, um, just over the next year, and think about the, the benefit that would come from that. So here's, here's the thing. We say that a lot, and we say, man, you need to do this, and you got to do this, and you got to etch out that time, and you got to make it happen. How? Right? How do, how do we do that? I mean, how do we even begin to sit down and have what in Christian circles could be called a quiet time or a devotion or, you know, you don't have to call it any of those things. You're essentially just spending time with God and growing and, and drawing from his rest. You're allowing for that daily rest. Well, the first thing is, is prayer. And you go, well, I don't even know how to begin to pray. I, I don't even know how to pray. I struggle with that. And to be honest, this is probably the weaker of my two areas is prayer. Because I can start praying and then I go, oh, wow, look at those fans. And I need, well, we probably need to clean those. Oh. oh, wow, that's shiny. You know, like, I mean, it's just boom, boom, boom all over the place. But if you have a method and you have a way that works for you, one thing that works for me is I've begun, and I started this a while back, but I've begun writing my prayers. Because even if the ADD kicks in, I got a period on the end of that last sentence. And I go, oh, shiny object. Okay, all right. And then, you know, just get right back to where I was, right? So some of you may say, hey, I like to write my prayers. Plus, I can look back and see, hey, this is what I was praying for. And, and you look back in a couple of years of those and you go, man, I've really grown past that point. You know, it was kind of silly I was praying for that. But, you know, you see your growth as well. And you can also see answered prayers. You can see, wow, God did this um, in my life. But here's just a method, and you can remember it from the word acts. Uh, adoration is the first one. You just start with adoration, which is worship, and just going, God, you're awesome. You're amazing. You know, use your own words. You know, I love you. I just thank you for, for your love for me and dying on the cross for me, Jesus. And Holy Spirit, just fill me and, and help me and, you know, guide me in adoration. The next one is confession, which leads to repentance, Okay. That's the idea of, hey, I've done some stuff wrong and I'm sorry for it and I want to change. I want to repent. As George has told us, repentance is the idea of you're going this way and you turn and go this way. I actually heard a speaker one time explain repentance and said, it's a 360 degree turn. And you're going, your math's a little off. Um, it's a 180 degree turn going from this direction to this direction. I get his point, but the idea was, you know, you're moving this way. Um, and so 
that leads to repentance where you just, you just clean your heart out before God, right? I mean, it's just, bleh, here it is, God, the junk, you know? Um, and, and, you, and you want to get to a place where you're giving him that, you know, and you're not coming back the next time with the same junk, right? That's, that's repentance because you've walked away from that. But, but you can, <laughs> let me just say that. You can come back with the same junk. But the goal is eventually you're constantly repenting and letting go and growing. And then Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving, which is just gratitude, spending some time going, hey, thanks for forgiving me. Thanks for, you know, in some, some church traditions, they do uh, what's called a confession, of, uh, like they do a prayer of confession and follow that up with an assurance of pardon. And the idea there is that we are saying, hey, I'm going to confess my sins. And then the pastor would come up and either read a scripture or say something over to the church that's basically saying, God forgives you. And so the idea there is you're going in Thanksgiving, you're going, thank you for forgiving me. Thank you. And that's where you can just, gosh, this, this old idea of counting your blessings, right? But instead of counting your blessings, you're actually talking to the one who gave them to you. So you're telling him, thank you, thank you, thank you. And then finally, supplication, which is a big fancy word for specific requests. It's basically saying, hey, this is where you, you might pray for other people. There might be something in your life that you're praying about. There might be a dream that you've put in the hands of God that you're just praying for him to, to bring out in your life. So that's kind of a model of prayer. And then Bible study. Bible study. Here's a, a recent one that I've learned um, that, uh, that I've, that I've uh, been using and like it. It's called SOAP. Soap, another thing that's easy to remember. Um, the first one is scripture. You start with scripture. And, and the idea there is that you read it and you write it. You actually read what you're, you know, what you're looking at. You look at a verse or a few verses and then you actually write them down so that you are not only just taking them in, but you're also you know, looking at them again as you're writing them. Um, another thing you could even do is after you've written the verse is then paraphrase it in your own words. You know, go through and kind of, kind of write it as a, in a personal way, you know, uh, there if you choose to do that. Next would be observe. And observing the text is basically saying, okay, what, what happened before it and what happened after it? You know, the who, what, when, and where. What, what's going on here? What happened before, what happened after? And jot down some of those things. Then application, what do I need to do? And you just write down two or three or five or 20 or whatever application points of, I need to do, this, this text is instructing me to do this, to do this, to do this. I need to make this action in my life. And then finally, prayer, is you actually can pray through the verse and you look at those application things and you ask the Holy Spirit to give you the strength to, to live those things out. Now, you go, okay, well, that's good. Where, where should I start, though? I don't, I don't know where to start. One thing that you might do is pick a book that you want to read in the Bible, okay? A good, a good place to start might be if you wanted to, to start with one of the Gospels and start with, with John, maybe. If you wanted uh, to, to start maybe with one of the letters, Philippians is always good. It talks a lot about joy. and You, know, you could start with a shorter book and read a chapter and just read through the chapter and find a, a verse or a couple of verses that you want to focus in on. And then do uh, what would be called soaping that verse or those two verses. And you take those couple of verses and you go through that process 
And then I might even encourage you to say, hey, why don't you commit some of them to memory? Why don't you actually memorize some of those verses so that they can be hidden away in your heart and when you need them, they're there, right? So those are just some, some tips. Others of you have other things. The bottom line here is whether you use this method or you use another method, allow for daily rest. Because here's the thing. When we think of rest, we think about rest meaning not doing anything. We're resting, we're sleeping, we're sitting, we're, you know, that's, that's our idea of rest. This kind of rest is where you can actually be so full of the Holy Spirit and so full of the power of God that you can be working, you can be doing kingdom stuff, you can be, you can be serving and be at rest still. Part of the issue with us getting burnt out in church is not, I mean, there are issues of, well, that, you know, you've been asked to do too much. Well, sometimes that's true, but let's be honest. A lot of us go, man, I'm so burnt out in church. But if we were asked, each of us were asked, okay, that's, that's fine. And we want to help you not be. When's the last time you spent an hour with Christ? When's the last time you really consistently were having that time? I would say the majority of us that go, I'm so burnt out, could look at our personal disciplines and see that there's something lacking. That there's, that there's not an allowance for that daily rest. Now that looks different for all of us. Okay? Some of you have, feel like you have lots of time to do these things. Some of you don't. But the bottom line is you got to figure out a rhythm that works in your life to make this happen. Because if we want to experience the Lord of the Sabbath in our daily lives and we want to draw from that kind of rest, we can't, it's not going to happen by osmosis. It's going to have to happen because we etched out the time to, to allow it to happen. The final thing, this one's a little quicker because I just want to read a couple of scriptures. Anticipate future forever rest. I love this uh, paraphrase of 2 Corinthians 4, 13 through 14. So let's go outside where Jesus is, where the action is, not trying to be privileged insiders, but taking our share in the abuse of Jesus. For this world is not our permanent home. We're looking forward to a home yet to come. Of going, hey, we're not home yet. This is not our permanent residence as Christians. And then in uh, Romans 8, 18 through 25, it says, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. For the creation waits an eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who, is, uh, the one who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and glory of the children of God. We know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Not only so, 
but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we are saved, but hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. The idea there is that there is a hope that, that he is returning and we have a future forever rest to look forward to. Where there is no burnout and there is no need to etch out an hour to be with Christ because we're going to be with him in his presence all the time. And the pain and the suffering and the burden that we feel in this world will be gone and we'll experience full and final and forever rest. And let's be honest, when we're etching out that hour with him, really what we're doing, right, is saying, I want a glimpse, I want a taste, I want a little experience of what that future rest is going to be. So that when I go out into a world that, let's be honest, that is not restful at all, the opposite of rest, that when I go out into that world, I'll have inside my heart will be full of the rest of Christ until that forever rest comes. You know, it's, it's amazing to me to think about the fact that we are actually getting to spend time, have the opportunity to spend time with the one who actually sat at this table just hours before he was going to give his life. And for me, every message we have when we end at this table, it's really, hey, whatever the point of that message was, he died so that we could experience that message, right? Whatever the message was, whether it's, hey, we need, we need rest, we need Jesus to understand that Jesus is rest. He died so that we can understand that. He died so that we could understand how much he wants to give us the rest that, we, that our souls desire. And so as we look at this table now, as, as I ask Caroline and John to, to come back, um, as we look at this table and we see the bread and we're reminded that he, that he broke the bread... And he looked at his friends that night and he said, this bread represents my body broken for you. He was about to do the most unrestful thing he could possibly do by giving, violently giving up his life so that we could know rest. And then he took the wine and as he poured it, he said, this wine represents my blood that will be poured out for the forgiveness of your sins. Because you see, it wasn't a very restful action for him to shed his blood. But he shed his blood so that our lives could be covered and protected by his blood. 
He did this for you and me. And so really the next step today is, is very simple. Is will you, will you, will you do it or will, will we be here a year from now having the same conversation? I mean, that's, that's really the thing for me is it's like, you know, you've had these moments in your life where you just have this built into your life. And then you have these moments in your life where you go, man, I just haven't had that, been drawing from that rest. I haven't allowed for that daily rest. I haven't been motivated and, and nourished by it in so long and I'm going, I don't want to be standing here a year from now and going, let's get that started, right? Let's, why don't we do that now? So the challenge is, 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 there's really no flowery, fun way to make a next step. The next step is, will you do it or will you not? I mean, it's really that simple. And so as you come, I just, I just want you to go ahead and just think. If you're going, I'm, I'm, I'm go- I want to do it. I want to draw from his rest. I understand he is rest and I need, I need him daily. I need him regularly. As you come, I want you to not come until you've decided. I'm not asking you to tell me in a year from now when that time is. I want you to decide now what hour tomorrow. And you may need, some of you got kids and, and, and you may need to go, I need to, I need to talk to the babysitter or the spouse or the whatever and go, I need you to cover this hour so that I can, I mean, that's my wife. I mean, it's like, I, I need to either get up at three in the morning, um, you know, before the house just blows up, um, or I need to figure out an hour, you know, that I understand that, but go ahead before you come and say, this is my hour tomorrow, tomorrow, not, not, not Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, tomorrow and start there. As our servers come, um, we use uh, wine here at Renovation, but we also have juice. Uh, If you so choose to use that, take whatever time you need. We also have folks that will be ready to minister to you in in the corners of the room there. If you need healing or if you just need some more advice on some of these things that we've talked about, they'd be happy to chat with you about that as well. As you come, uh, you can drop your connect cards, alpha cards, Bible study cards, and any gifts that you may have in the baskets. Take your time and then come.